Hi, I'm Paul Swinfler and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show we ask, are we using the cloud correctly? As we take a look at baseline in the cloud. So sell back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to another edition of Tech Interviews. Uh, so on this week's show, I'm picking up with a company that I've, I've come across before and a company that many of you are probably familiar with, um, but are doing some new and interesting things uh, that, uh, that I've picked up on recently. And I kind of want to explore those things, and particularly being as they're based around cloud security, uh, and particularly around the idea of baselining cloud security and performance, which, um, which from my experience is something that people find really difficult to do as they look to transition their existing enterprise services into some of the big public cloud providers. Uh, so to help me to have that conversation today, I'm joined by Christian Beacon. Hi, Christian. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm real good. Thank you. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, so before we start on our topic today, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, let people know who you are uh, and what it is you do? Yeah, so uh, I am the uh, co-founder and CTO of Sumo Logic. Um, we've been uh, since 2010 been building a uh, cloud-based machine data analytics service at Sumo Logic. So we help our customers with uh, monitoring, troubleshooting, and ultimately securing uh, their applications. Um, you know, on-prem, in the cloud, and <laughs> anywhere in between, really. Yeah. yeah no, well, I think. Um... You know, we're seeing a lot of that, aren't we? That that people are starting to build these, uh, you know, to, to pinch your marketing phrase, more hybrid infrastructures. So some of the stuff will sit on prem, some of it will sit in the cloud, and finding ways of managing and replicating good practice, particularly as people start to move to the cloud, I think is, is something that certainly I see in my day-to-day role as um, something that's increasingly challenging for people. Um, but obviously, you spend a lot, a lot more time in, in that space probably than I do. Um, so, I mean, what, what's what's the current state of the market? You know, How are you currently seeing enterprises as they start to adopt cloud? How well are they doing it? How well are they uh, meeting good practices? You know, how, how are they driving their kind of cloud adoption journey? Yeah, so... Um... It's coming, right? It doesn't look like there's any way back. Um, what uh, you know? So we're like a classic sort of Silicon Valley style startup. So we, we come out of the you know San Francisco Bay Area, and and as you can imagine, uh, you know up and down the corridor there, and a couple of other areas, you know, along the coasts uh, in the U.S. in particular, um, you know, we're seeing uh, we're seeing just you know tremendous you know adoption of cloud. We're seeing lots of companies that are literally born in the cloud. I think that comes with the current startup climate for the last couple of years. Uh, but I'm also traveling around the world and, you know, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing you know, cloud adoption being picked up in, you know, more sort of mature enterprises, you know, in the Midwest of the U.S. Um, you know, we have customers in the, uh, you know, in all across Europe, actually. Um, you know, Australia has, uh, you know, been, you know, fairly, um, yeah, I, I, aggressive almost in 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 adopting uh you know public cloud uh and uh, we are now also just starting uh to ha- to do business in Japan uh which is a which is a huge market uh and and supposedly you know also a very very large market in in particular for Amazon uh, web services and that's one of the proxies that we have so so there's a lot of action you know just to give you an idea i just came back uh, the, the, the prior week, I was in uh, I was in Tokyo uh, at the AWS summit uh, the, for for Japan, and they had like close to thirty thousand people there. Uh, that, that's massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, and, and, and I think you see that, don't you? With uh, we're talking before we started recording about some of the scale of kind of um, AWS conferences and how they are splitting not only conferences 
and geographic locations, but also the content of the conferences. And we'll, we'll come back to um, kind of what you're doing this week, um, uh, you know, in, in a moment. But there's a couple of things in, uh, in just kind of by way of that introduction that, that caught my attention. And um, I just wanted to, to maybe just ask a little bit and find out a little bit more about. So I'll, I'll do it in reverse order, actually. You're talking there about kind of um, the locales that you deal in, you know, the, the kind of the global reach of Sumo Logic and, and some of their customers and, and kind of the... Um, the, the, the amount of you know some of the traveling that you're doing. I mean, did you see um, do you see any major differences in the way that people maybe on the west coast of the US are adopting cloud versus how you see it being adopted maybe in other parts of the US or across Europe or, or across Asia? Yeah, look, I think there's there's always like areas where this stuff happens a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, quickly, and then of course the west coast of the US in particular is just always. I guess, you know, on the vanguard of these types of things, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes for worse, but almost always for better. And, and I think in, you know, just in terms of wider technology adoption and, you know, excitement about, you know, what you can do with technology, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think the cloud thing is, 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 is definitely for the better because I think it solves a lot of, I think, I, I do think it's also a lot of problems that IT has been struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, you know, you know, and, we, we, we're seeing pickup on the East Coast as well, you know, quite a bit. I mean, you wouldn't have these, these you know, these uh, public cloud providers, you know, running at the run rates that they are if this wasn't true. Um, I found that, you know, as I said, especially, you know, Australia for a while has, has really like from the get-go for the last, you know, five, six years or so has given, I have I have seen a lot of cloud adoption there. And then um, the part where, where it seems to be um, not going quite as fast, at least as far as I can see today, is is Europe? Um, uh, you know, spend good amount of time in in the UK. Uh, our our local office is in um, is in London, obviously, right? And uh, there's a there's a there's a very solid number of you know mature you know enterprises around there. You know, especially in the financial uh, you know space and so forth. Where um, you know, I I do get a sense that they are still looking at this cloud thing as being you know somewhat of a you know sort of a funny fluke. Um, uh, that's not to say that you know people aren't using you know cloud you know all over the place, but especially when it comes to the sort of more well well established uh, you know enterprises, they they the, the people they seem to still you know have a little bit of a you know they seem they seem to be a little bit more skeptical still, and uh, I think probably the <laughs> that's it's actually kind of ironic uh, you know probably the most skepticism uh, that I have experienced in in any given geographic location. As far as cloud is concerned, is in my very uh, you know home country, which is which is Germany. Uh, <laughs> the 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 Shermans are not uh, uh, not, they haven't really quite wrapped their head around this yet. So it's kind of interesting. So well, I think it's uh, maybe if, I'll tie in the other question I had for you because it, you perhaps can answer answer both. So because you talked as well about this idea of uh, working with companies who were born in the cloud um, versus increasing amounts of traditional enterprises who are starting to, to move to the cloud. And, and that's my experience in, in kind of my day-to-day job uh, when, I'm, when I'm not hosting podcasts is that, you know, working with traditional enterprises. And a lot of that work today is about how do we start to take advantage of uh, what's in the public cloud? You know, because I think, again, something you just talked about, which I think is a, a really good point, is that public cloud is really good at addressing some of the problems that traditional IT doesn't. I mean, it might bring its own bunch of problems, but it's really good at doing things at scale, doing things quickly, having commercial flexibility in its model. Lots of those things don't necessarily follow on-prem. But do you see a different approach? And and I wonder whether this kind of explains a little bit about in those geographies where you're seeing uh, cloud adoption be be different. Do you see a real difference in the way that uh, 
born in the cloud companies adopt cloud versus uh, some of the way that traditional companies look at it. Uh, and, and if traditional companies are different, you know, what, what are some of the things that maybe hold them back from embracing public cloud in the same way? So when you when so Sumo Sumo Logic for example is is kind of sort of the best <laughs> I have the most insight on you know in, in what we're doing you know ourselves and and we were like literally born in the cloud you know from 2010 uh, we never had any infrastructure other than you know a little router in our office and everybody else is running around with MacBooks uh, and you know everything that we're doing in terms of the SaaS service that we're building and providing is all in in uh, in AWS uh, and. Um, you know, for us, when we realized, you know, like years before that, before we got to start the company, a couple of years before that, when AWS started sort of becoming a thing, what we realized is that what they had done is uh, they they basically turned uh, the data center into an API, right? And uh, now if the data center is an API, if I'm a software developer, uh, you know, I might not be comfortable uh, thinking you know, thinking big when it comes to, you know, building SaaS services because I have to first figure out all of the data center stuff with, you know, racking and stacking and networking. And those are all interesting things, but it just might not be, you know, what I'm, what I know or what I think I'm good at. But like, if I'm a developer, then if it's an API, then that allows me to basically automate the, you know, the living hell out of everything. And then that becomes extremely powerful. And I, I think this is what, uh, what's been driving sort of the, you know, born in the cloud type companies, uh, I think they're mostly developer driven. Uh, they're mostly time to market driven, and and all of the public clouds really today, you know, essentially completely abstract away the infrastructure, uh, and and then to some degree even more on top of that. But it really started with the sort of infrastructure abstraction, uh, and and that is just incredibly powerful because if you if if you break down the the people at a company like Sumo Logic and you know what they are working on. Um, you know, you will just not find anybody who is really, you know, doing any kind of sort of, you know, networking or, you know, you know, uh, you know, acquiring service and all of these types of things, or, you know, managing, you know, cages in, you know, in, uh, you know, at Equinix and so forth. So, so we have mostly developers and we have a bunch of, you know, you know, very modern and very smart IT guys that are, that are catering to the developers and to the rest of the business, but they don't really have to run any infrastructure, right? Now, when I compare that with a sort of more mature classic company that wasn't born in the cloud, then I have a very large number of people in IT whose job it is, you know, to do all of these things that we don't need to do anymore, right? And then there, therein lies the potential conflict, right? Because, you know, those kinds of people either like figure out that, um, you know, the world is changing and that they probably have to uplevel their skills to the degree where they, um, you know, become programmers and, in my mind, programmer is a very inclusive term. You don't necessarily have to be a distributed systems, you know, uh, uh, you know, master's guy from Stanford or, or Cambridge for that matter. But like a programmer, in my mind, is somebody who knows how to tell a computer what to do in an automated fashion, uh, you know, scripting and, you know, what have you. That's all good. Um, but I think that today is a core skill in IT. Uh, you know, much more so than, you know, networking and racking and stacking and, you know, folks that um, you know, if you have an IT department in a, in, a, in a mature company where the majority of folks have realized this, then they will be much more open to cloud transition uh, uh, or, or even just starting to touch things in the cloud. If they haven't, then, you know, oftentimes it feels to me mostly like uh, job protection, which, which you know, I, I, can, I, I can certainly empathize with that uh, as well. You got to make money somehow. But, but I do think that uh, in, in, a, 
in a sort of classic environment, the, the existing IT department is can sometimes be the biggest um, the biggest detractor of, of of going to the cloud. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Actually, it makes perfect sense. And I think the um, and I think some of those challenges of having designed traditional infrastructure, because you know, if you're going to be born in the cloud, then you've always just used cloud. And, and I thought it was a really interesting phrase, actually, that data center is just an API. I'm going to steal that one. And, and no doubt, I expect to hear that that repeated back to you some point in the future. Um, yeah. But I think that's a, I think that's a really, no problem. <laughs> it's a really, um, but I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really smart way to look at it, actually. I think the idea that, you know, we and I've talked to lots of people recently about, this increasing move to a more software-defined world where we are building our infrastructure, building our platforms via code. You know, we, we want to program and automate as opposed to rack and stack and worry about cabling things. However, when you're a traditional enterprise and you're thinking about how do I use some of the things that I do today and move them into the cloud, of course, lots of your traditional enterprise architecture has been designed with this kind of on-premises infrastructure in mind and you know although you may not be thinking when you're building a big database you might not be thinking about cabling you have designed it with kind of this on-prem traditional way of thinking and actually taking that and just lifting it and putting it in the cloud is not necessarily the best way to use public cloud so so i think that's that, that's quite interesting and, and are you finding that that is um both hampering cloud adoption for some and and maybe also in meaning that when they do make that migration they're maybe not using the best practices that they might use in the cloud. You know, they are maybe moving too much of traditional thinking and, and shoving it inside of AWS and, and then not getting the best out of that experience. Yeah, uh, I think this is all this is all rather non-trivial, right? So so I don't want to come across as, as you know, there's nothing wrong for, if you don't want to go to the cloud, don't go to the cloud. You know, that's, you know, there's nothing philosophically wrong with, you know, doing things you know the way that you have done them before, if they if they work for you, or if you think they work for you, right? So, so I, I don't want to necessarily be judging. It's 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 mostly uh, an an observation. I think that I don't think you can do this wrong necessarily, as long as your business is successful, right? And and you know I, I'll I'll take the sort of same tack on on answering, I guess, the question, which is. You know, so then if you actually start using something like Amazon, if you just sort of quote unquote lift and shift, you know, are you doing it wrong? No, I, I don't think so necessarily. Uh, it, it, it really, you know, if, if that solves the problem for you or if it sort of, let me put it a different way, you know, if that provides you like a value increment, then then that's perfectly fine, right? Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, if you If you have like a greenfield opportunity, um, you know, starting with a lift and shift mindset is, you know, I would personally not recommend it. I would look at, you know, how can you go even above infrastructure as a service, you know, to use pass and serverless and those types of things and just, you know, completely rethink how you build the application, um, you know, and, and maybe also sort of rethink. And then there's a huge part, you know, that has to do with that sort of the, the sort of entire culture of how you develop applications, you know, from, you know, the classic waterfall to sort of more agile approaches, DevOps, you know, don't separate operations out from the developers, all of those kinds of things. Um, but, uh, you know, if today your challenge is, is that you can't keep up with, you know, maintaining data centers and, and all of those types of things, and then and, and you have like, you know, we, we, have, we see this all the time with sort of the more traditional customers that we have, 
you know, like 3,000 Windows servers that are running, you know, 1,500 different applications that they've accumulated over, you know, I want to say, you know, <laughs> several centuries, right? Uh, and, and they are moving them into, into AWS, and it is initially more of a lift and shift, but it does actually provide value to them. Uh, and it's a nice way to sort of, you know, learn, you know, adopt your practices. So I, I think every company on their own has to sort of figure out what, what makes sense, um, you know, for them. You know, if they take a completely sort of anti-cloud stance, what I do worry about is, you know, whether the business is going to continue to be able to compete. Uh, but every business has to figure that out for themselves. And I think that, um, well, actually, that, that leads nicely on to kind of the, uh, the the meat of the conversation I wanted to have with you today, because I, th- I think that sets some nice context, actually, around some of the work that um, that I've kind of come across that you guys are doing. Um, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if it's a huge shift to what Sumo Logic are doing, but certainly a, a, it's an interesting a strategic shift from what I've, I've seen you guys do in the past. Um, and and it, it falls into that category, actually, of people starting to want to use uh, cloud technology but aren't really sure about, like I said, there's no, not necessarily a wrong answer to it, but there is certainly always the question about, am I getting the best out of the investment that I'm making? You know, am I, have I built the most performance infrastructure inside of this public cloud? And maybe increasingly importantly is, have I taken advantage of all the security that I might need? You know, I'm starting to move my data into these big public cloud buckets. Have I secured it down? Uh, and, uh, and, and it's interesting, actually, we talked before about that you, you were at a conference this week, um, so, so I'll let you tell people a little bit about that. Uh, but, but a big part of what you guys seem to be doing now is, is to start to take some of the experience that you've got working with some of these big cloud providers and looking at how you can take that experience, information and data and make that something that can help people to maybe deploy something better, be more um, optimal in their configuration, ensure their security is... Uh, you know, enhanced and, and and the best it possibly could be. So, do you kind of want to touch in, into that a little bit and talk uh, talk about some of those those things you're doing, and perhaps how that ties into the the conference you're at this week as well? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, so look, you know, when we started Sumo, um, you know, we thought that, that uh, there were basically you know two main things that we wanted to accomplish that that to us felt that they were differentiated enough that they warranted. Uh, you know, creating yet another company, you know. So um, the first thing was that in our experience with monitoring systems and, you know, our background comes from the security information and event management space. Uh, both of both of the co-founders at Sumo were, like, coming from ArcSight. Um, so we had just, you know, we had kind of run out of steam with, with this whole enterprise, you know, software approach from an ISV perspective, right? And we thought that the next, uh, the next generation of these types of tools, you know, security monitoring, operational analytics, and so forth, really had to be delivered as SaaS, you know, cloud-based for, for better or worse, right? And uh, to basically focus, you know, focus our customers back on actually using the product rather than figuring out how to install it, maintain it, upgrade it, and, you know, put the storage behind it and install the Oracle database and all of, all of that stuff, right? Um, so so that, was, that, was a, that was the first pillar. And the second pillar... Uh, was that, you know, we decided from, it was very clear to us from the beginning that we had to build a service in a multi-tenant fashion. Uh, so not spin up individual stacks for every customer, but basically have, you know, one giant service that services all customers. Um, you know, we thought we would get the, uh, you know, and then that played out that way, actually, that we get economies of scale out of that would ultimately bring the price down, better economics for us, better economics for the customers. And so forth, but the you know the other the other sort of sub part of 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 that was to um, was to say hey you know if we actually have lots of um, you know lots of customers all on the same platform 
there's, there ought to be a way, um, you know, to gain additional insight out of the fact that they are all on the same platform, either by connecting the users directly via, you know, you know, sharing apps and those kinds of things, but also by potentially underneath looking at the data that they're sending, uh, obviously, you know, with all of the uh, uh, best practices applied there, the anonymized and not the anonymized, anonymized actually, specifically not the anonymized, anonymized, there we go, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, aggregated and so forth, because that actually turns out to be a you know, rather tricky problem in the large uh, and try to find a way, you know, to give uh, to give every customer back some insight uh, based on what other customers are seeing in some some sort of automated, you know, machine learning based fashion. Uh, and we've always thought about that as like a, you know, our term for that is you know global intelligence. And and so we've always been you know trying to get to this idea of a global intelligence service where. Again, you know, law of, the law of large numbers, uh, you know, will sort of provide benefits for everybody. And so specifically, um, I am in Boston this week. There is a yet another AWS conference called Reinforce, which uh, is the first time they are doing this particular one. And it's all about cybersecurity. Uh, and uh, we've been working on the last over the last couple of months on something that we call Global Intelligence Service for Guard Duty. And so Amazon Guard Duty or AWS Guard Duty is a um, is a service that, that AWS itself provides, where they look under the you know behind the scenes and under the covers they look at you know network traffic and they look at uh, you know API invocations in your account and they're trying to find anomalies. You know if for example you know they might be detecting that you um, that you're participating in a Bitcoin mining pool or that there's like you know, command and control traffic going on. So you might have, you might have, you know, you know, bots on your system, or there's a lot of spam being sent. Those types of things <clears throat> that they can detect on, you know, on their back plane. And that's called guard duty, and that's been around for a while. Uh, and customers, you know, really like that service. Uh, and uh, you know, but you know, the biggest problem that it, that that we sort of found in, in in customers' usage of that was that. You know, it provides really interesting findings, but it provides a lot of them. Uh, and then so you, you run into this classic firehose problem where, hey, here's 100 alerts or, or findings. You know, do I really have to look into every single one of them? And what we what we uh, what we are doing now as, as part of this, um, you know, announcement that we're making or it's actually the, the release that we're making this week is we are now looking, um, you know, behind the scenes at Sumo, uh, obviously in a highly aggregated fashion at sort of the distribution of findings uh, that we're getting across our entire customer base. And then we're then surfacing that to our customers sort of as a benchmark slash baseline uh, so they can gain uh, so they can gain more actionable insight out of, hey, you know, this is just cosmic background radiation. Every customer sees, you know, these types of things at similar rates and you probably don't have to, uh, you know, stop the world for it. Uh, and, you know, here are some things that, that are truly rare that you know across our population we almost never see, uh, but it's happening in your account, and you should probably you know take a really good look at that. So so that's kind of the first product out that that's been coming you know out of that idea of a sort of of global intelligence. And I think there's lots of really powerful stuff in what you've said there. Uh, you know, and I, I really liked actually where you started that with the idea that. Um, delivering uh, you know, these kind of management platforms and information platforms as a service makes an awful lot of sense because you know we, we talked before we started recording about you know that that kind of history of deploying really big traditional monitoring solutions inside of an organization 
Um, you know, not only do you get the, uh, and I'll phrase the fire hose problem of just too much information that you don't know how to, how to pick your way through it, but you're also having to worry about how many servers you deploy and all the storage that sits behind it and the databases and protecting the data. And actually you lose focus on the information that the thing's telling you in the first place. So that's, I think that's quite an interesting shift. And But but that, that piece about the fire hose problem, I think is always, has been a, a real classic traditional problem in terms of system management because uh, and, I, and we were talking again earlier about the idea that I think exchange I remember having a figure quoted to me that exchange in itself will tell you something like 64,000 different notifications and alerts of which probably four were useful to you you know and how do you start to pick your way through that and obviously if we start to move to cloud platforms and, that, and I guess one of the things that you guys at Sumo Logic have seen is as you move to cloud platforms the information those platforms can tell you just continues to increase. So I think it's really important that that idea of being able to, um, and you're seeing this increasingly, I think, this idea of being able to aggregate together all of the information that you know about all of your users on a specific platform and be able to give, um, again, to pinch your phrase, but to be able to give useful, actionable insights, I think has some some real power. Um, and and, and is, is that what you're seeing? You know, what, what kind of insights are you seeing uh, your customers particularly like, the, you know, find particularly useful? Um, you know, what, what kind of insights are you able to give, uh, you know, in, in, in conjunction with this kind of uh, AWS service as well? So the guard duty thing is, is, is what we're releasing right now. And, and that has been, um, you know, in, in sort of we have we went through a beta process and and so forth. And that has been received really well uh, because that, I think, is a very sort of clearly defined uh, problem, right, where the output that you're getting from guard duty is highly structured. Um, and uh, it's just to some degree, you know, it's almost, you know, it's almost too good to be true, right? Because there's a little bit too much of it. Um, you know, think other things that, you know, we've played with that, but but that we that haven't necessarily productized yet are around um, performance benchmarking. Um, let's say I'm running a MongoDB, uh, you know, am I running it on, you know, should I be running it on this particular type of instance or, you know, with this particular type of storage or, you know, overall, this is the wisdom of the crowd really, you know, to run it on a different type of instance with different type of storage. And then also, you know, what's my resource, sorry, what's my resource usage uh, uh, in terms of CPU and IO and so forth. Uh, and, um, you know, those are sort of the type of things where we customers, you know, sort of that's fairly detailed stuff, right? where you know everybody's basically just trying to figure out hey what's the mainstream here uh and and if you can um if you can help people uh, you know get there faster then you know they can they can use the time they would otherwise spend on trying to figure all that stuff out and you know maybe fail at it and you know you know create an outage or or, or what have you and and they can go and you know build more products right so that's that that's kind of that's kind of the promise behind all of that it's it's in, we are we are incredibly well positioned to pull all of this off. It turns out that from the technology, both from the product as well as from the terminology, from from the technology perspective, this is absolutely non-trivial. So, so we have a good amount of staff working on that, and you know all the propeller data scientists there, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to frame the problem uh, in such a way that you know the input-output scenario is clearly defined. Uh, so that you don't get some just sort of you know arbitrary anomaly detection that you know that confuses you more than than it actually adds value, but you know provide really like actionable insight. And then underneath there, there we're working through you know all of the challenges around you know the uh, 
anonymization of the data and you know we need to aggregate it obviously very highly there can't be anything that's you know personally identifiable you know showing up in one customer's account from another from another customer based on based on any of this types of type of analysis and and again there um it, it really it's, it's really important how you define the problem and you know the, the data has to be highly structured and so forth so uh so we're seeing some some real promise there and you know as i said sort of the first thing that we're bringing to market is is this um you know benchmarking you know approach uh, baselining and benchmarking approach to make uh, the aws guard duty output more actionable and I think that's you know one of the joys of cloud, isn't it? And I think it's one of the things that cloud can do that uh, we, we haven't traditionally been able to do, where we've all run kind of our own siloed and isolated on-prem instances of, of management tools or, or infrastructures. And it's that idea of aggregation, uh, you know, because it, it does give us something that I think most people who work in IT like the idea we've been able to do, but find it really hard, which is to say, I've deployed this infrastructure. Now, how you know it, it, have I done a good job? Is it well deployed? And how you me- measure that is, is really difficult. But when you can aggregate lots and lots of instances of that together, and like you, you said before, about, you, you know, with that move to cloud, it's not necessarily a right and wrong answer. But you can certainly look at what other people are doing and say, well, actually, in most instances, we see these things. So you, you kind of use the MongoDB example, didn't you? In most cases, we see MongoDB running like this. This is what we would suggest is good performance. And if your architecture is not meeting that, then here's some things you can do. I think is is hugely useful, and and again, it's just one of those things that you can't necessarily get by just running, or you probably won't get by running kind of isolated individual instances of things. Um, so just before we come to the end of our time here, actually, just for a wrap up, kind of one one other question for you, and, and then maybe uh, dig into how people can find out more about you and, and what Sumo Logic are doing. But you know, this kind of idea of automation and intelligence, you know, is this is this kind of uh, the, the future that you see for, for platforms like Sumo Logic and, and maybe some of its equivalents of, of how they're really going to be able to deliver the very best in, in terms of actionable insight? And, and do you see uh, inst- instances where you will take that experience and information and use that into all kinds of infrastructure? So not just stuff that lives in the cloud, but maybe things that people are doing on-prem and things that people do across across traditional enterprises today. Yeah. Oh man, that's a, we can go we can go for another hour on that topic <laughs> alone. I think. Um, yeah. Um, so the way that I look at it is that generally people will appreciate, um, and I'm I'm stealing a term here that I first heard from the uh, from from Werner Vogels, who's this the AWS CTO. Um, people really don't appreciate having to do undifferentiated heavy lifting. Right, uh, and I think that sort of is is driving a lot of uh, is driving sort of philosophically a lot of the stuff that you know we are trying to do. As I said before, you know we like we considered you know all of this like having to you know figure out how to install and upgrade and you know et cetera et cetera. Your enterprise software we just consider that undifferentiated heavy lifting. It then you know extends into this idea of okay, so now it's you know now I have better monitoring tools. Uh, but now I also have, you know, you know, new new types of, um, you know, cloud providers are providing new types of tools. There's new types of databases, new types of deployment scenarios, and so forth. And so uh, now I have to go and, you know, again, it's it's rather undifferentiated if I have to invent everything for myself, right? Uh, and 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 so that's that's kind of why again all of this like you know global intelligence stuff also sort of is kind of philosophically totally aligned with how we are thinking about things. Um, 
again, you know, what I've seen in the past, and then there's some sort of interesting cautionary tales there from our own experience, uh, because this, this is not sort of the first kind of, uh, you know, algorithmic thing that we've done. We've done some before that, that were successful, and we also failed with a couple. Um, so, so one thing that I've seen is that if you kind of try to open the aperture too much, for the sort of intelligence that you're trying to provide in terms of if you make it too generic, uh, it becomes, you know, rather not so, um, not so applicable. Um, so we, we specifically ourselves went through a process of building what we thought was going to be a kick-ass sort of general or generic anomaly detection over any kind of data, right? That, that we could have brought, you know, really to almost any kind of problem uh, to, to go along a little bit of, you know, where you were leading this. Uh, it turns out that that flat out didn't work. Um, you know, it found things it thought it were anomalous, but there was no way users could understand why, right? And so what we found is that it's really important that you kind of initially define the problem fairly, um, you know, tightly, maybe overly tightly, so that it's applicable for just sort of one particular, you know, um, you know, segment or one particular stripe or one, you know, just one particular, you know, problem. Like, for example, you know, we are doing this global intelligence thing for guard duty, but that doesn't necessarily mean we now have generic anomaly detection for all kinds of security, uh, because that is kind of, I don't know, hundreds of orders of magnitude harder, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Um, uh, you know, and I think that idea that defining the problem, and that, that's always been, I suppose, the traditional management platform issue is how you define the problem, how you define what's important. So, you know, it's good to see that I think that this kind of cloud platform move and the ability to aggregate lots and lots of information together is going to ease that decision and ease that journey for, for lots of customers. So so I think it's a, it's a really interesting space to keep an eye on. It's a really interesting space to see how Sumo Logic continue to, to kind of evolve in, in that space as well. So so I mean, you know, people, have, as, as we wrap up here, if uh, people have listened to this and, and want to know more about Sumo Logic and maybe want to come and hunt you down, Christian, find you on, on social media or something like that, is uh, how can they first go about finding out more about Sumo Logic? Maybe, you know, I don't know if they can test drive the platform or something, you know, how can they do that? Um, and, and if they wanted to follow up with you, what's, what's a good way to find you? Yeah, so sumologic.com is where you get all the information about the company. You can sign up for, uh, uh, you know, you can sign up for free. Obviously, the amount of data you can send per day is limited, but uh, you can kind of take it for, for a spin yourself and don't be shy to reach out to us. Uh, we are more than happy to help you along with that. And then as far as I'm concerned, personally, I'm at Ray Chaser on Twitter. Okay, that's a, that's a great Twitter, Twitter handle. Um, we will look forward to finding out the story behind that some other time. So, um, but um, uh, Christian, look, thanks, uh, thanks very much for, uh, for your time. Uh, much, much appreciated. Enjoy your week in Boston. Um, but thanks for being, uh, being a guest on Tech Interviews. Thanks for having me. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you do enjoy the show, why not leave us a review and subscribe? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. And if you've got an idea for the show or would like to appear as a guest, why not drop me an email to podcast at techstringy.com. So, until next time. Thanks for listening. 